Let's move on to main topic number four. And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Gregory V. And Gregory V. writes, Hey, John, I saw reports going around that J.K. Simmons is confirming that he's going to come back to play J. Jonah Jameson again in the MCU. I loved his cameo at the end of The Last Spider-Man, and I've never heard an audience cheer so hard. What do you think of this, and would he be a good addition moving forward. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, one of the big, we all love to hang around for the post-credit scenes, particularly in films uh, that are the MCU films. We love to hang around in those. And at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, we got one of the best ones, maybe not narratively, but certainly big surprise and things that was going to cheer and delight a lot of fans, which was, of course, seeing the great J.K. Simmons pop up again as J. Jonah Jameson. Listen, I've always said, I've always said, if you're going to reboot, reboot, that means recasting everything. Two exceptions. James Earl Jones as Mufasa. I've said that for years, even before Lion King. And second, J. Jonah coming, being played again by the great J.K. Simmons. And then he popped up again. Now, this is what he said. There is a distinct chance there have been discussions, and I'm not going to say anything definitive because I don't know if I'm allowed to. But yes, I'm very optimistic that I'll have some more Triple J in my future. That comes to us from J.K. Simmons. Now, listen, we also know from previous reports that he's already apparently done a scene. Like there's already something in the can ready for a future movie. Obviously, that'll probably once again be something very small, but we already know that he has filmed something to appear in another movie at some point. That much we know, that much he has confirmed before. The issue then becomes, what do they have ongoing plans for him? Do they have plans for Jay Jonah not just to be a quick little pop-up and say, hey, everybody, remember me, but rather actually play a role moving forward? You know, I loved him in the original Spider-Man movies playing J. Jonah. I, I got as excited as anybody else seeing him pop up in the end credits of Spider-Man Far From Home. I, I don't know if it's a good thing that the most exciting part about your movie is an end credit cameo, but but it is what it is. I got as excited as anybody else. It would be really cool to see him pop up. Listen, the guy's an Academy Award winner. He is beloved by audiences. And the character of J. Jonah is as essential to Spider-Man, I would say, that Alfred is to Batman. I mean, it's hard to imagine. You can do Batman without Alfred. You, you can, but it's hard to imagine. You can do Spider-Man without J. Jonah. They've done two films with Spider-Man without a J. Jonah. But I would say he is as connected to Spider-Man, again, as Alfred is to Batman. So you put all those things together. I, I got to believe they're planning to do more. I really do. Now, the only thing I did not like about this J. Jonah appearance was the new hair. I personally preferred the older hair. I preferred like the classic kind of almost military gray hair. I, I personally like that a little bit more, but he was actually tells a story about how uh, they only decided like the day before to sh they were going to shoot it and they couldn't do a wig in time. So they were just like, uh, you just have to go with it. So they did it. Ah, that's fine. Whatever. I can live with that. I suppose I can live with that. But listen, anything to bring back J.K. Simmons to play more J. Jonah, I'm totally on board, on board for. Completely sign me up. The question is for you guys. 
What do you think is going to happen moving forward? Did you, like some other people, thought the cameo was just a quick one and done to be a special little cameo? Are you thinking they might make him a predominant character moving forward? Do you think they'll just continue to use him as quick little cameos? They all work. Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. WandaVision might bring in one of Marvel's most notorious witches. The first full trailer for Disney Plus's WandaVision dropped over the weekend, and it doubled down on the classic sitcom meets dark superhero mystery angle we were hoping for. But amid all of the strange and enigmatic aspects of the trailer, we were struck by one major prevailing question. What's the deal with Katherine Hahn in this, and why is she laughing like that? <laughs> Nerdist Features writer Rosie Knight offered up a fantastic and totally likely theory over on Nerdist.com as to which Marvel Universe character Han could be and why it might be the key to the future of the MCU and the introduction of the Fantastic Four into Phase 4 and beyond. That's what I'm talking about. Rosie thinks Han is none other than Marvel's resident all-powerful witch, Agatha Harkness. Harkness first appeared in the pages of Fantastic Four number 94 from January 1970 by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. She's the nanny to Franklin Richards, son of the Invisible Woman and Mr. Fantastic, and it's not long before we learn Harkness is a powerful witch who uses her powers to save Franklin and the Fantastic Four from a villain called, this is real, the Trapster. After several adventures with the Fantastic Four, Agatha jumped over to the Avengers in issue number 128 in 1974. In that issue, she saves the titular superhero team before revealing her real motivation is to teach the ways of magic to one of their ranks. Wouldn't you know it, it's the Wanda part of WandaVision, the Scarlet Witch. Over the years, Wanda and Agatha have a number of adventures, usually tied into Agatha's role as a witch in New Salem, the hidden city for Marvel's mystical and magical characters in Colorado. But it's what happens in 1985's The Vision and Scarlet Witch, Volume 2, Number 3, that will really tie into WandaVision. By that point in the comics, Agatha is dead, but her astral form appears to Wanda following a run-in with New Salem witch coven, Salem 7. She tells Wanda not just to channel the magic, but use it, which Wanda takes to mean she should create the children she envisioned can't have naturally. By the next issue, she's pregnant with Billy and Tommy, aka Wiccan and Speed, the twins that we see in the trailer. And then everybody lived happily ever after. Wait, just kidding. This is comics we're talking about, and it gets a lot worse. In West Coast Avengers number 51 from 1989, Agatha appears again, alive this time because comics, to help with Wanda's weakening mental state and the twins' ever-weirdening behavior. In a heartbreaking moment, we learn that Wiccan and Speed are actually shards of the soul of extra-dimensional demon, Mephisto. After such a horrible revelation, all Agatha can do for her protege is to wipe her mind of the existence of the twins and of Vision entirely. This also isn't a good thing because that's what sends Wanda down the path of destroying the Avengers and later wiping out all but 198 mutants in a little X-Men arc you may have heard of called House of M. Wanda is very powerful. So how does this all tie into WandaVision and Katherine Hahn? Well, there are a few interesting indicators. Hahn's character pops up in different outfits in each of the different TV shows we see in the trailer, and definitely seems to know a lot about where Vision and Wanda are, and that Vision is dead. Spoilers. She's also wearing a witch hat and costume when she says that, a pretty dead giveaway. But we know Wanda and Vision's twins feature in the show, and we also know Agatha Harkness is integral to their creation. As we said earlier, the twins are made from the shards of Mephisto's soul, and Mephisto is a big contender for main baddie in another MCU title, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Could we see those self-same mad multiverses in part in WandaVision, since House of M proves she has the power to create such worlds? 
Han appears in each of the different time periods we see in the trailer, which means her meddling neighbor persona could make her the mastermind, or at least the guide, for what's going on. In the comics, Agatha wipes Wanda's mind to help her get over the grief of her children not being real. Could the show be Wanda trying to recreate her memories that have already been wiped? Is it a new dimension Wanda has created to have the life she always wanted after the death of Vision? And if so, did Agatha help her create it and is now trying to warn Wanda and her hubby about the truth of their situation? Oh, and remember the Fantastic Four? Maybe Agatha Harkness's appearance will also signify a nod to Reed and Sue Richards. Heck, last week's casting announcement of Jonathan Majors for the new Ant-Man movie has most assuming he'll be Kang the Conqueror, a canonical descendant of the Richards clan. It's all happening, folks. New Avengers, Fantastic Four, X-Men, Pepe Sylvia, they're all joining the MCU. We'll have to wait until December 2020 to know for sure, but needless to say, the appearance of a four-real witch alongside Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet One is enough for us to hope the apocalypse waits until 2021, at the earliest. In the meantime, tell me, what do you think of all of this? Is Katherine Hahn playing Agatha Harkness? Could WandaVision be a trick or a trap of some kind? Will we get to see Agatha's cat Ebony, please, please, please? Let's discuss in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. The mighty Marvel rumor mill has just cranked out a doozy. According to the folks at We Got This Covered, Marvel Studios is looking to cast a Quiet Place director and star John Krasinski as Captain America or rather, an alternate universe version of Cap who would appear in the upcoming Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. On its surface, this rumor makes a fair amount of sense. After all, Krasinski did indeed audition for the role of Steve Rogers roughly a decade ago when Captain America the First Avenger was entering production. Of course, the role was eventually handed to Chris Evans, who was born to play it. But there have long been rumors that Marvel head honcho Kevin Feige never forgot about Krasinski, and has maintained a simmering interest in slipping him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe somehow ever since. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness could be a good vehicle by which to finally bring Krasinski into the fold. And according to the rumor, he may not be the only Marvel might have been to appear in the flick. If these murmurings can be believed, Tom Cruise might also appear as an alternate universe Tony Stark. It's long been rumored that Cruz was offered the role before it eventually went to Robert Downey Jr., although it must be noted that this has been debunked by none other than Cruz himself. On that note, now would be a good time to mention that We Got This Covered is not typically a reliable source of insider info, and that when it comes to these types of rumors, the site's ever-anonymous sources regularly offer up some major malarkey. This rumor is likely no different for a couple of reasons. You gotta stop telling people. Okay, I get it. You feel out of the loop and you feel sorry for yourself, and it's really sad because everybody thinks you're a loser. Do you even know if it's true? Do you have any idea? First off, Krasinski is an outspoken fan of the MCU, and he's obviously never lost his hankering to be a part of the biggest movie franchise in the world. In recent years, his name has often been floated by fans and industry observers alike in connection with one specific name, Reed Richards aka Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. Even before Marvel's first family became available for Marvel Studios' use thanks to parent company Disney's 2019 acquisition of Fox, Krasinski was all but lobbying to play Richards in the MCU. Back in 2018, Krasinski told Screen Rant that he would love to play the MCU version of Richards should the opportunity arise, and that he would also be pretty pumped if his wife and Quiet Place co-star Emily Blunt were to be cast as Reed's wife Sue Storm aka The Invisible Woman. 
More recently, in the wake of rumors that Krasinski and Feige were engaged in meetings in early 2020, Krasinski told Sci-Fi Wire that he'd be down not only to star in a Fantastic Four movie for Marvel, but to direct it as well. He said, I'd totally be open to that. I love the Marvel Universe. I love watching these movies. They're such a great time and so well done. I always say, in Kevin Feige I trust, he's such a smart guy, and I would never pretend to know what he's thinking. But if he's thinking about hiring me, I'd be psyched. Well, then what's the one true rumor? We have a right to know. It seems just a bit unlikely that, after about a decade of courtship, Marvel would bring Krasinski on just to show up in a glorified fan service cameo. Almost as unlikely as Feige suddenly deciding that what the MCU really needs is to start aping its closest competitor. Marvel may have announced Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness first, but earlier this year, Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment revealed plans to adopt the concept of the multiverse into its films in grand fashion in the upcoming solo movie for The Flash, which is being directed by IT helmer Andy Muschietti, and we'll see Ezra Miller reprising the title role from Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice and Justice League. The Scarlet Speedster is canonically capable of interdimensional travel, and it's been revealed that at the very least, he'll be dealing with two different versions of Batman, the one established by Ben Affleck in the previous DCEU films, and Michael Keaton's version from Tim Burton's classic Batman movies. Why don't you come over and we can watch together on TV? Were Marvel to essentially copy this strategy and introduce alternate versions of its heroes in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? it would be a pretty stunning reversal from the tack the studio has taken in the past. That is, blazing its own path and leaving competitors wondering how to achieve similar success without openly copying Marvel. It's hard to imagine Feige and Marvel Studios are champing at the bit to switch from cinematic trendsetters to trend chasers. No, this rumor feels like one that should be filed under N for not bloody likely. Somehow, we get the idea that Krasinski is destined for a much bigger role in the MCU. When that announcement finally comes, we'll be all over it. Check out one of our newest videos right here! Plus, even more Looper videos about your favorite movies and TV shows are coming soon. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss a single one. going on guys welcome to everything always my name is michael roman now some of you may or have may not seen the headline in the last week tom cruise to take up an alternate reality version of tony stark yes a multiverse iron man in a role he may have been cast for originally in the mcu and of course here at the channel even though it spread like wildfire on social media we ignored that story mostly because of where it came from but now the rumors have persisted and to add on top of that John Krasinski in talks with Marvel Studios and no, it's not for Mr. Fantastic. We're going to break down the source of these rumors in the original article, talk about why that's important, talk about which actors and roles are up for this return to the multiverse, who John Krasinski would be playing if indeed he comes back in this capacity, and then of course I'm going to weigh in with my own opinion as to whether there's any validity to this or not, and believe it or not, there is one strong reason why this actually would make a lot of sense. We're going to break it all down, but first, if you could grab the subscribe button, we're giving away two PlayStation 4 Pros, as well as a whole slew of other Marvel-related stuff, including this insane one-fourth scale XM Studios Beta Ray Bill and our third and final Infinity Saga box set. If you want to be entered to win, all you have to do, hit the subscribe button, then hit the notification bell with notifications turned on, leave a like and a comment on this video, and if you want, stick around to the end of the video 
We'll get into all the giveaway stuff again there. Okay, so just to recap, there was a time and a place where Tom Cruise might have been offered the role for Iron Man, and the rumor is that he turned it down because it had something to do with the helmet. He wanted to be able to have the helmet off so people could see his face. Now, I don't know about that rumor that makes him sound rather egotistical, but there is a reason that a lot of these large actors are sort of shying away from Marvel superhero roles, especially back then in the earliest parts of the MCU because of the commitment and the length of the contract, especially for an actor as ubiquitous as Tom Cruise, the sort of movies that he does, he can't get locked into a decade-long thing where he's only doing a couple of movies. Now, the original article broke from We've Got This Covered, and if you guys are wondering, we've basically stopped reporting on anything from We've Got This Covered altogether. Not because they don't get things right. In fact, they've pegged some huge things, and I don't doubt that their industry insider sources have some great knowledge. Guys, they called the She-Hulk series, and nobody... I mean, nobody saw that coming, but the problem is, and especially here real recently, is it feels like they're just willing to throw everything at the wall, and in that case, some things are going to stick, and the industry insiders that we source daily here at the channel, if we're not doing a theory, just have a stronger track record of not putting their name on it unless they're able to source it more than one place, and being a lot more discerning with what they report in the first place, and since this channel and the fan base is all about getting to the bottom of these rumors and theories, figuring out what's really coming, we've got this covered has been the last place to be. Now, even though that Tom Cruise rumor spread like wildfire again all over social media, there was picture after picture on Instagram and Twitter of Tom Cruise in the Iron Man suit saying he was coming back for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This John Krasinski rumor to take up the mantle of Captain America again from the multiverse and again another actor who famously auditioned for the role but didn't get it sort of puts smoke in the air and where there's smoke there's generally fire and then i thought about all of this hoopla about john krasinski his wife emily blunt for mr and mrs fantastic and a report that we had here at the channel within the last month or two that reported marvel studios did talk to john krasinski in fact but it was not about mr fantastic you think about his life and his role now in a director's seat you think about where they're trying to go in their careers this may be the perfect opportunity for John Krasinski, Tom Cruise, whomever else auditioned for a role and didn't get it or doesn't want to be committed to this kind of contract to come back and get a very short serve superhero fix for them to be in the Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness for a cameo. And then 10 years from now, when we finally get to Secret Wars and it's a battle for the multiverse against Doctor Doom, these characters will be able to come back for the battle scene in some sort of alternate fashion, have all of the Captain Americas like Thorcor from all of the multiverses and make that battle even more grandiose than the Avengers Endgame battle. Now, I am definitely getting way ahead of myself because honestly, I'm not sure there's any validity to these two actors wanting to take up these roles. But when you think about Tom Cruise and John Krasinski, how busy they're going to be in the future of their careers, and then you think about what a Marvel role would mean for them, I don't know, it sort of seems a little bit, well, what's the word? Fitting, no pun intended, as far as that Iron Man suit and the mask that Tom Cruise didn't want to wear. And if John Krasinski says, hey, I'd love to be a superhero, but I don't have the time. A one-off cameo as a multiverse Captain America 
is the perfect way for him to enter the MCU and be there, but not be a main fixture, have to join the Avengers for either of them, or sign a 10-movie deal. Hey, thanks for showing up in our multiverse. If we ever need you, we'll call you again, namely Secret Wars Battleworld, to make it even bigger and better. Guys, let me know all your thoughts down below in the comments about both of these, specifically either Iron Man, Tom Cruise, or John Krasinski, Captain America, one or the other showing up in the multiverse of madness. And now I've repeated it a lot here recently since we're talking about Doctor Strange. We have a running joke here at the channel. If half of the characters that are rumored to show up in Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness actually show up, then it'll be the most jam-packed roster we've had yet, and that would be including Avengers Endgame. Obviously, they're not going to do that. Marvel Studios has made a history in the past of not cramming characters into movies if they don't have to. One final thought I want to leave you with, though, and you can definitely reply to this in the comments as well, there was confirmation from both Hugh Jackman and Sir Patrick Stewart that they had gotten reached out to, Kevin Feige had talked to them about coming back to reprise the roles of Professor X and Wolverine one more time in the Multiverse of Madness. Now that would clue in that their plan was to just wrap in all of the Marvel universes into one, use that as an explainer for the Foxverse if any of those characters were to hang over or why they exist in the first place and not ignore them. And that's what Marvel Comics as a company did. The Marvel Universe was all of these alternate runs, the 1610, the 616, and apparently Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios wanted to not ignore these alternate cinematic universes, but embrace them the same way that they had hoped to originally back when they made the first Iron Man. And it could be if they were willing to reach out to Hugh Jackman and Sir Patrick Stewart to get their characters, Professor X and Wolverine, who have already passed away in their respective universe, then this doesn't seem like even that much more of a stretch considering we haven't seen either of these actors in the MCU and doing this one multiverse cameo would not only set them up for a future role, but get them into the MCU with very little commitment. I'm not saying there's any validity to these reports over We've Got This Covered. It's hard to say that given their track record here lately, but where there's smoke, there might be fire. And considering we know that Krasinski would want in for sure, this might be the perfect way to do it. Guys, let me know all your thoughts down below and quickly, let's get into the giveaway stuff before I let you go. We're still giving away two PlayStation 4 Pros, the next of which is at the 700,000 subscriber mark. Of course, we will switch over to the PlayStation 5, but I'm sure a lot of you have seen the whole pre-order mess with that, so we're not gonna give those away until we have them in hand. In the meantime, we'll be giving away the PlayStation 4 Pros. All you have to do to be entered to win, hit the subscribe button, then hit the notification bell, leave a like and a comment on this video, and that'll automatically enter you to win all the rest of the prizes here at the channel, like this insane 1 4th scale XM Studios Beta Ray Bill, this is almost three feet tall, an immaculately sculpted museum quality piece, and our third and final Infinity Saga box set. Now, we gave two away of these at the beginning of the year. We're giving this third and final one away in December during the holiday season, regardless of the subscriber count. If you want to be entered to win either of the PlayStations, the Beta Ray Bill, or this limited edition Infinity Saga box set, all the same rules will always apply. Hit the subscribe button, then hit the notification bell with notifications turned on to keep up with the channel. Leave a like and a comment on this video, and because it's truly random, the more videos you like and comment on, the better chance you have of winning. All winners will be announced at the end of the videos the same way we're doing here, and if you've missed any of the previous winner announcements, no worries. All you have to do is scroll back to the channel, look for the winner announcement in the sub count in the title, click on that video, and scroll to the end. My name's Michael Roman. This is Everything Always. You can find me over on Twitch most nights at twitch.tv forward slash Novellan. You can find my original music on Spotify under All Fires. Of course, you can sub here at the channel for daily Marvel content. Thanks for checking out the channel, guys. We'll be posting again real, real soon.
Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and WandaVision is Marvel's first official Disney Plus series coming this December, following Scarlet Witch in Vision after the events of Avengers Endgame and Infinity War in a conceptually ambitious and hugely influential story that could set up the MCU with X-Men and the devil. There are a ton of details hidden in the visuals and the music that are easy to overlook in this trailer, so I'm gonna break it all down, explain what we're looking at here, and how all of this, like what lies beyond Vision's eyes, is really a soulless horror hellscape. Spoiler warning in case I predict anything too accurately, let's get started. This trailer opens in the simulated reality of a classic TV sitcom with a curved letterbox aspect ratio and static fading into Wanda Maximoff and Vision as newlyweds arriving in a 50s suburb. They pass a town welcome sign that's cut off, but notice Vision's newspaper, Westview Herald. Little baby June's first word tickles Mother Sue. So this town is called Westview, and like a TV set, it is fake a simulated reality like Sea Haven in the Truman Show or The Matrix in real life uh, in the movie The Matrix. In the comics, Scarlet Witch actually has the ability to warp all of reality. And in the House of M comics, a heartbroken Wanda tries to reset reality into a world where she has a happy family. Here, Wanda is warping reality so that Vision is alive once more. But her reality warping appears to be contained within this small town in which I believe she is actually being manipulated by nefarious entities the witch Agatha working on behalf of Marvel's devil Mephisto. The two of them trapping Wanda inside her own dream bubble that's really a portal to hell. I believe Agatha is brainwashing Wanda in this illusion using TV sitcom reference points to try to keep Wanda's mind calm and vulnerable. This whole 50s setting with Vision evokes the 2015 Tom King Vision series, which reconceived Vision in a similar atomic age. Now Wanda's sorcery powers in the comics all come from her being marked by the elder god Chathan when she was a baby, which allowed her to be able to use and manipulate what's called chaos magic. I think the chaos magic is what Agatha and Mephisto want. Notice Vision and Wanda's license plate reads 0102, maybe a nod to Avengers issue 102 in the 70s when Vision gets an offer from the Grim Reaper to have his consciousness transferred to the body of Wonder Man so that Vision could be closer to his love Scarlet Witch. But in this show, I believe Wanda has made a similar deal with the devil, Mephisto, to get Vision back in her life. And it is Agatha who helps Wanda manifest this happy home reality via chaos magic, but probably has plans to hijack that magic for a darker agenda. The music we're hearing is the Platter's 1958 love ballad, Twilight Time, with lyrics about a couple finally embracing after a long day apart at twilight. The magic hour, a surreal time of day where the light hits everything strangely, and it's kind of hard to tell when exactly it is. You're lost in time, but in this song, you're with your love. And this is what reality looks like for Wanda and Vision in the show. But the darker subtext of the song is the way those surreal qualities of Twilight Time can really lead to misperceptions and illusions, lies. This same song was actually is one of my favorite episodes of X-Files, season five's Kill Switch, in which Mulder and Scully discover a CD, remember those? Containing this same song and evidence of a deadly AI code, 90s, they get trapped in a virtual world that, as they escape, flickers out with a similar static visual aesthetic that WandaVision is using. And like fellow Marvel mutant Legion from his amazing alternate universe FX series, Scarlet Witch appears to be projecting a false reality around herself, one that is actually a mind prison as dark demonic forces posing as friends try to manipulate her and exploit her 
Catherine Hahn's characters appear in these realities. A comic relief neighbor like Ethel in I Love Lucy, later on in the trailer, a Kimmy Gibbler type character in a full house reality. But this black and white set looks more like the Dick Van Dyke show. The closed captions here credit her as Agnes, which I think is really just the name of this false sitcom incarnation of the character. Really, I think Agnes is secretly an amalgamation of Agatha Harkness. And since she appears to change along with these sitcom realities, I'm thinking she's part of the illusion. Maybe even the town name of Westview could correspond to Agatha being a wicked witch of the West trying to exploit this poor young lady in this whole dream world. Wanda plays this role of a magical housewife, like the ones in sitcoms like I Dream of Jeannie, or the more likely reference point Bewitched. Now, this wine bottle is labeled Maison du Mépris, French for House of Contempt which I assume are all French households. Some people out there are mistranslating this as House of Misery. That's not exactly right, but the House of and the M label from the Prix is almost certainly a reference to House of M. House of M, again, is the Marvel Comics storyline, really the best Scarlet Witch arc, in which Wanda, coming out of the Avengers Disassembled storyline, suffers a psionic meltdown in which she warps reality over and over again, trying to find a happy family life. All this resetting is so chaotic that the Avengers and the X-Men actually plot to take her out, but before they can, she flashes reality again into an alternate House of M universe, in which all of society has mutants in charge, ruled by Magneto. Wolverine and the others realize this reality is false, and after a big fight, Wanda famously says the words, no more mutants, permanently resetting the Marvel world with all but a small number of mutants erased from existence. The speculation here is that WandaVision could feature a reversal of that moment, using Wanda's mind to spawn mutants into the MCU by pulling a kind of Lionel Hutz. No, more mutants. But check out this next clip. Our story. I think what my wife means to say is that we moved from... Moved from where? Married when? Damn it, why? Oh, Arthur, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Their reality is collapsing during this dinner date in which Arthur, played by Fred Malamed, and his wife, played by Deborah Jo Rupp, you might know her from that 70s show, ask just some basic background questions that they don't have the answers to. It's a bit similar to that moment in Inception when she realizes she's in a dream. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the, uh... Think about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now? We're dreaming. And as Wanda and Vision are going through a similar moment, their perspective widens, corresponding to the widening of the film aspect ratio from that TV letterbox to the more cinematic widescreen. And in this reverse montage, there are some creepy imagery. If you go through it frame by frame, like one frame of Wanda at that table smiling, followed immediately by a frame of her wide-eyed with her mouth hung open, and then followed by the table set, but no one's sitting there as that kitchen window shutter opens. Where is everyone? It's like the rapture. Yes, nothing does make the heart stop quite like a mystery void. Much like the blinking cursor on an empty promo code field when you're shopping online. What savings are you missing out on? Well, fear no longer with Honey. Thanks to Honey for sponsoring this video. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically tests them when you're checking out. It's basically your online shopping sidekick, watching your six for the best possible deal. You get Honey on your computer for free in two easy clicks. Then when you're checking out on one of its 30,000 supported websites, Honey pops up and all you gotta do is click apply coupons. And you wait just a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons for that particular site. If Honey finds a working code, you will watch the prices drop. 
Recently, I was shopping for an herb garden planner for my little patio space. I found one on Target.com and honey saved me over 10 bucks. I was gonna buy that planner anyways, but now I have a place to slowly murder all my plants and my attempt to apply gardening tips from Elizabeth Olsen. How does she do it? Anyway, those of you who have already installed honey using New Rockstar's link have found over $375,000 in savings. So if you haven't used honey yet, you gotta get in on this. Honey supports all kinds of retailers from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands to even food delivery. It's simple. If you have a computer, Honey should be on it. It's free and it works with whatever browser you use. Get Honey for free today by going to joinhoney.com slash newrockstars. That's joinhoney.com slash newrockstars so they know I sent ya. And thanks again to Honey for sponsoring today's video. Okay, then their world fades into Technicolor, similar to the imagery we saw in Pleasantville, in which the idyllic 50s sitcom world colorized to reflect characters awakening into consciousness. That might be what we're seeing here in WandaVision. These characters jumping ahead through the decades of famous sitcoms, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, 90s, until they get to the present, when the whole TV multicam sitcom is used less and less as audiences want a more naturalistic single cam format, representing Wanda surface awakening from that sitcom dream. Vision and Wanda dance in what looks like a 70s Brady Bunch reality, and then they're holding babies in an 80s sitcom, kind of like Family Ties or Full House, which ironically featured Elizabeth Olsen's twin sisters. These babies are almost certainly Wanda's twins, later revealed to be Billy Kaplan and Tommy Shepard, evidenced by that B and the T on the refrigerator art in the past teaser. Billy and Tommy are the mutants Wiccan and Speed, members of the Young Avengers that Marvel appears to be setting up with Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series, Cass see Lang's stature in Ant-Man 3, and with Jonathan Majors playing Kang the Conqueror in that movie, Kang's younger alternate self is the young Avenger Iron Lad. So yeah, this is definitely where they're going. Now, a little detail I noticed here though, the baby Vision holds has a red glow emitting from his hand. So this one could be Wiccan, with the chaos magic, the sorcery he inherited from his mother, now manifesting with a similar red glow from the hands. Now, one of these episodes is set during Halloween, and great detail here, Wanda's Scarlet Witch costume is like a costume store version of the classic bright red Tira cape that she wears in the comics. Same thing with Vision. He wears his classic bright green, bright yellow costume. Now outside here, Vision floats high above the town. He's probably trying to get a bird's eye view of this fictitious dream world. But notice as he lifts off, the surrounding trick-or-treaters are not moving. Something has gone wrong with this projected reality. That lamplight is flickering like the TV static. Now everything is frozen. And also check out this great moment when he floats back down to talk to Agatha. <laughs> Am I dead? No. Why would you think that? Because you are. Interesting. So notice that single tear that drops out of Agatha's eye the moment Vision touches her, as if awakening her from a trance. To me, this suggests that Agatha herself is part of this manipulation rather than the sole orchestrator of it. I don't think she's the only antagonist here. So I'm thinking she's in a trance as a vessel, maybe a surrogate for Mephisto. In the comics, Wanda's children do start out as pieces of Mephisto's soul that Mephisto and Agatha use to manipulate Wanda. And then sadly, those kids are like reabsorbed into his soul before they're later reborn as Wiccan in speed because comics. Notice here, Vision's wearing a wedding ring. So yes, I don't think Vision is just like part of the illusion. He's confused. He's a point of view character. So it looks like Wanda's chaos magic is being used to make him alive and sentient once more within this reality. Also, this might be nothing but our friend Alessio on Twitter pointed out that the Italian translation of this moment in the trailer, Agatha's line, because you are dead, the version of you that they use is 
plural, as if Agatha is suggesting both Vision and maybe Wanda are dead. That's why I think this pocket reality is actually a hellmouth, a portal to the Marvel underworld where Wanda has offered to trade her soul so that she could be with Vision and their kids, a deal with Mephisto through his surrogate Agatha, making both Wanda and Vision, in a way, dead. And in a lighter note, some doofus wears a traffic cone on their head. And then we get a glimpse of Wanda mid-transition as she warps the living room around her, the lamp, the chair, the painting. They all switch like a TV channel and the TV statics from an old rabbit ears set into a more modern one. But then perhaps the most explanatory and important shot of the trailer, Monica Rambeau, an adult version played by Tiana Paris, aged up from the little girl in Captain Marvel, future photon or spectrum. She blasts back with red chaos energy away from that town, out through a membrane of this dream bubble that when punctured looks like an old color TV screen. There's red and green and blue pixels there. And she flies back past the Westview welcome sign and lands in a grassy field where you can see a government perimeter, roadblocks, towers, tents, trucks, a helicopter, armed soldiers, and I believe this to be SWORD, an offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D. sentient world observation and response department, which based on some set photos, Monica Rambeau is speculated to be a member of. And if you look among those agents who run up behind the soldiers, one of them is Darcy Lewis from the Thor movies, who is probably applying her astrophysics knowledge to help SWORD. Now in the shot that also kind of looks like Monica running up to the left of her, maybe this is taken from a different shot than the part where Monica lands in the grass. Either way, I believe SWORD set up this perimeter around Wanda's world bubble, maybe Hellmouth, trying to contain Wanda from resetting the entire world by accident. And they send in Monica to try to infiltrate this world in disguise in Seventy's attire, but then she gets repelled back out. And yes, I believe these government forces will also be how Agent Jimmy Woo ties into this plot. The trailer ends here. We are an unusual couple, you know? Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. <laughs> stop thinking about Vision's necktie. What kind of design is that? There's like these two fiery bursts inside of a rectangle, two diamonds on the outside looking in. Maybe the two souls burning in this hellmouth prison, trapped there by two demonic presences. Or maybe two gem-powered Avenger parents gazing in at the twins there that are actually hell babies in a death trap. Look, there's a lot to talk about, and this week's Rogue Theory will actually explore the different ways Vision could have resurrected. Be sure to check it out, and you can discuss these Marvel theories with me on New Rockstar's official Discord server by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. Subscribe to New Rockstars and hit that notification bell. Follow me on Instagram at EAVoss. Follow New Rockstars. Thanks for watching. Boom. This just came out a couple of minutes ago and I'm mildly, mildly surprised. I am mildly, not completely surprised because I've talked about this, but I'm mildly surprised. And that is this. It has now been reported. This is coming to us right now from Variety. That Black Widow, West Side Story and Eternals have all postponed their release dates. Black Widow, which of course was supposed to be in theaters already. Black Widow, which was supposed to be in theaters already. Uh, it got pushed to November. It has been pushed again. Now, recently we talked about how Disney has been putting out a, a little bit more marketing. They did those magazine covers. I saw a new trailer run that had the November date written on it. And it started making me think, huh, 
I, I guess they really are keeping that November date. Good for them. Well, I don't know much about this because I'm just getting this news like a lot of you guys. Apparently, it's been delayed again, as well as Eternals and West Side Story. Let's read through this, shall we? Uh, Disney has postponed the release of fall blockbusters such as Marvel's Black Widow, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, and Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile by several months. The results are bad news for the exhibition industry. It's absolutely horrendous news, which is facing fierce headwinds after closing for months due to coronavirus. And you guys remember we talked on the show the other day about, hey, great, the theaters got open again. What's the use of the theaters being open if there's not any new movies to play? And, and we talked about that the other day. Anyway. The studios kept the late November release date of Pixar Soul, surprising some in the industry who had expected the animated family film to either move to a later perch or get released on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, there were those rumors about Soul being put onto Disney+, Plus, but as we talked about on this show, uh, a Disney representative debunked that and said weeks ago, said, nope, we are keeping it in a theatrical. Let's see if that holds up. But for now, they're keeping that in theatrical. The moves set off a cascade of distribution shifts that will upend the theatrical landscape for months. Other Marvel releases, such as Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings and Eternals, will all debut deeper into 2021 now. Disney's release date shifts all but guarantee that box office revenues this year will reach a uh, nadir... I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Natter, analysts have already projected the domestic grosses would have declined between 70 to 80% due to the pandemic. So it's looking like I'm not seeing a new release date. There it is. There's a new release date. Black Widow will now open uh, on May 7th, 2021. So they're moving this thing December, January, February, March, April, another five months. They're moving this thing another five months. Five months. Uh, Death on the Nile followed to 2017's box office hit Murder on the Ex uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which I didn't love Murder on the Orient Express, to be honest with you, will now come in December 18th, uh, 2020. That's not much of a move. That's only moving less than two months, so that's not so bad. Um, and what about, see, West Side Story, which marks Steven Spielberg's first foray into musicals, was expected to be a key Academy Award contender. The awards career, an awards career may still be in its future, but not for this year. Uh, West Side Story will launch a year later than expected on December 10th, 2021. So we got West Side Story being pushed by a full year. That's not terribly surprising because, yeah, this was clearly going to be an Oscar kind of a film. So they want to release this in Oscar season. And if it can't be this Oscar season, I guess they're going to push that to another one. Uh, and then we get into some key stuff here. Due to interconnected nature of Marvel Cinematic Universe, Black Widow's move shifted back other installments uh, in the superhero franchise. Eternals, a comic book adventure about a superpowered alien race, will now debut, ooh, will now debut on November 5th. November 5th, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. It gets pumped, bumped another nine months. It was previously dated for February 12th, 2021. Uh, Chloe Zhao directed the film, which stars Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, uh, Gemma Chan, and Camille Nagiani. Nagiani endorses the move on Twitter. Nagiani writes, Eternals delayed to November 5th, 2021. Marvel made the right and responsible decision. There's a pandemic. Nothing is more important than health and lives. I can't tell people to go to a movie theater until it feels safe to go to one. Take care of yourselves, pe people. I promise it will be worth the wait. So, once again, Black Widow now delayed a whole bunch delayed to may again december uh january february march april may delayed another six months another six months eternals delayed another nine months uh they are 
basically Disney here is waving the white flag. Disney here is waving the, the white flag. I don't necessarily blame them because, again, we've talked a lot on the show about these are unprecedented times. These are absolutely, absolutely unprecedented times. And we are getting, um, we are getting situations and context thrown at us that nobody's had to deal with before. And like I've said before, the movie theaters, the movie studios, they're all just trying to figure this out as they go. There's no playbook for any of this. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. This hurts. This hurts. Because I, I will tell you what. Listen, again, I'm not, I don't blame them for this move. I don't blame them for this move. This may very well be the right decision and the right move for them to do. I've got to say, though, I don't know that there's going to be movie theaters around for them to open up in come May or June. You know, again, this goes back one more time to a discussion we had on this show previously about how, you know, it's great that the movie theaters have gotten themselves open and started the process of getting raising awareness that the theaters are back. Our safety procedures work. We're very strict about our safety and our customer safety. And you can come and have a night at the movies and enjoy yourself and be safe and blah, blah, blah. It's great that they can do that. But if there's no new movies, there's no point. If there's no new movies, there's no point. Because while I thought it was a great idea for movie theaters to open before new movies released so that and show some catalog movies like Lord of the Rings, like Empire Strikes Back, like Back to the Future and those types of movies, that's a short window. You know, that'll work a little bit to get people ramped up to coming back to the theaters. You can't keep the movie theaters open for another six months without big films you just can't do it and again i don't want to make it sound like i'm taking sides because i understand where the studios are coming from i do they're in a tough situation they're just doing the best that they can but what i am saying is this leaves the movie theaters in an extremely precarious position and if the movie theaters go under which i'm starting to really suspect they may it is going to change entertainment forever because I know there are some ill-informed people out there who think that, oh, it's no big deal. You know, movie theaters closed. You just transition over on streaming. That's not how it works, folks. That's not how it works. The studio heads did a big roundtable on explaining that you just don't get the same money. You just don't get the same money. So what I fear may be happening here. We may be on the brink of the apocalypse. Listen to me being an alarmist. We may be on the brink of a theatrical apocalypse, and that is going to fundamentally destroy a whole bunch of the movie theater system or the movie studio system. Because, yeah, they can make the transition to online and stream and stuff like that, but they're, they're about to look at their revenues, take a 50% cut. 50, they'll make half of what they made before. This is going to fundamentally change everything. And, uh, and it's crazy. Now, again, I understand this sounds really alarmist. Maybe I am being really alarmist because I just saw this news that, you know, Black Widow has been pushed not just by a few weeks, not just by a month. It's been pushed six months. Eternals pushed by nine months. Now, they are, it does say in the article, they're going to keep Soul at the end of November. They're going to throw that movie out there, see how it does. 
Uh, if they throw it out there and it does great, maybe they revert. Maybe they move the release schedule around again. Maybe they bring Black Widow back a little bit. I mean, I don't know at this point. I don't know at this point. But while this is very disappointing for you and me, and I believe this is probably just more of a sign of more things to come, this is going to be absolutely fundamentally devastating to the movie theater industry. This is going to be absolutely devastating to the movie theater industry. Again, who knows? Maybe we'll see. Um, maybe we'll see. Again, I just said Soul come out and do blockbuster business. Possible, I suppose. Possible. Uh, maybe by November. You know, maybe two months from now, it'll be maybe Tenet will have done all the hard work to Tenet was the sacrificial first penguin in the water, but it got the machine going. And now maybe soul can be the beneficiary of that maybe bond keeps its release date. And we see some big movies come out between now and the end of the year. Maybe, maybe, but now with these moves, I'm really starting to wonder I'm really starting to wonder. I, I think I now expect. I'm really now starting to expect. I always knew like say the new Bond movie getting moved was a possibility. I think I, this move to me now shifts that to me. Now I expect the new Bond movie to move. And now I'm starting to wonder if there's going to be any movie theaters left around by the time they want to open these things. And again, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I, I'm just saying it is a horrendously difficult and tough spot that the entire entertainment industry is finding itself in. And again, if you guys are just popping a little bit late, the story that we're talking about right now, once again, just breaking black widow, as well as eternals, other key films as well. Um, death on the Nile, uh, has been delayed on, but only by about a month or two, j just very little bit, but we're seeing West Side Story, the new Steven Spielberg film, has been bumped an entire year. Black Widow has been bumped by another six months to May of 2021. And we've seen The Eternals push back an additional nine months from its current release date. It's a big shift. And they, I think this might just tip be the first domino in a bigger exodus that we hear from other movies that have already moved a bit and may now come out and say, you know, what? we're just going to move another eight months. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure you guys are going to want to talk about this in the live comments part of the show, so I'll save the rest for that then. But guys, question is, what do you think about this news? I Again, for me, because of the magazine cover and the new trailer with the November release date, I was starting to believe that, you know, we were going to see Black Widow open in November. I mean, I, I wasn't going to be shocked if it moved, but I was starting to believe it would open in November. And I thought if it did move, it might move by like six weeks, eight weeks. I didn't see it moving by six months. This is huge. What do you guys make of this? Jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys.